Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Human Nutrition and Lifestyle Podcast. Got another exciting guest for you today. Got Mr. Brett Lloyd. And Brett has been on a journey himself. And let's hear it straight from him. Tell us where you started, Brett, and what sort of journey you've been on with your nutritional lifestyle. Um, well, my journey began uh, 60 year, 61 years ago. <laughs> I, uh, I grew up in what we would call a traditional middle-class family, lower middle-class family. My parents had an enormous vegetable garden. I had fresh vegetables year-round, but I also had plenty of meat. Um, it was a textbook standard American diet, eating according to the food pyramid that was pushed upon everybody at that era. And uh, out of the four of us, my dad passed away in 2020 from complications with type 2 diabetes that he suffered from for 20 plus years. Um, my little baby six foot tall sister suffers from IBS, ulcerative colitis, almost killed her a few years ago. My mother's had an, an enormous number of, of physical ailments throughout her life. And I suffered from chronic mental illness for 43 years of my 61 years on this planet. That's what we got from following the directions according to the food pyramid, etc. cetera. Um, I had a promising career at one time in the mental health field in, in my 20s, and I was depressed and didn't know it. And I sabotaged that significantly. Um, my I had major depression. I was originally diagnosed in 1990, formally diagnosed. And it was interesting, all the years that I was working in the mental health field, I had all these PhD level and master's level people around me and nobody detected that there was anything wrong with me. They all thought I just partied too much. Uh, and basically what I was doing with alcohol at that time was medicating myself. Was oblivious to it at the time. But now with clear eyes looking back, I can see that's exactly what I was doing. I uh, was formally diagnosed. I checked myself into a uh, psychiatric hospital in Huntington, West Virginia, River Park Psychiatric Hospital, because my mental illness had made my life completely unmanageable. I uh, was not a very good person to boot. I was a very angry, depressed person. I, uh, I tried alcohol, I tried pleasure, I was an orthodox hedonist for a time, uh, and that just brought me all the negative consequences that living that way does. And uh, in 1990, when I went into the hospital, I came out with the hope that uh, this pill they were giving me called Prozac was going to take care of things. Uh, the problem with Prozac at that time was it was ridiculously expensive. And after the uh, samples that the doctor's office gave me ran out, I, I, had to, I had to fend for myself. I couldn't really afford to purchase it. Uh, but then a, few, a couple of years after that hospitalization, I, uh, my first wife was a Walmart Supercenter manager and we left the area and and uh, moved to uh, Bristol, Virginia. 
And uh, there I began to experience horrible panic attacks. Uh, one was so bad, I even, I, I called, you know, we did 911 and I, I rode in the ambulance, had the nitroglycerin stuck under my tongue because I thought I was having a heart attack. And uh, we get to the hospital and they hook me up and to the machines and thankfully there was nothing wrong with my heart. But something was very wrong. I just couldn't comprehend exactly what it was. Um, I had a terrible time trying to find physicians uh, to, that didn't treat me. I, I had really, I'm a musician. And at that time I had really long hair. And uh, one doctor literally made me strip down in front of him to prove that I had no track marks. He, did, he just couldn't believe that I wasn't a cocaine user. Um, finally, I, I, I came across a physician in Newport, Tennessee, who told me, he said, listen, you're not going to like this, but if you don't go on medication soon, your life's going to become very uncomfortable. So... Um, bit the bullet and started taking Prozac in 1995. And I took Prozac as prescribed for the next 23 years. And in the beginning, I, I imagined that it was helping. Uh, my first marriage crumbled due to primarily due to the fact I just wasn't a very good human being at the time. Um, and there were other issues. That I don't, no point in going into it now. But I met my second and final wife and uh, we started our life together and things were really good. I felt like, okay, I've turned the corner here. This is, and I, you know, I focused on uh, becoming a better person and because I really adored her and, and she deserved to be treated extremely well. And I've tried to, to stick with that through all our years together. And, uh, but suddenly after a few years, I started having these inexplicable mood crashes. There would be no qualifying event. It wouldn't be over a sudden loss or, or something tragic, trauma, whatever. It would just, out of the blue, my mood would crater. And this began what I call the period of the wellness, unwellness merry-go-round. Uh, I'd feel good for a while, and then out of nowhere, mood crash. Um, doctor would increase my Prozac, and that would be like throwing an extra blanket over me on a cold night. And, and I would be better for a while, but then again, inexplicably, my mood would crash. And each time my mood crashed, it took longer for me to climb up out of the ditch. Um. Fast forward to, I mean, this went on for years and uh, my depression, I was a very angry, depressed person. I was voted class grouch in high school. <laughs> I, that was really offended by that. But then after I got better, I'm like, boy, I earned that. I, I really deserved it because I was just hard to be around. Uh, it's why I've said my wife has earned her place in heaven because she stuck with me we've been together now 26 years and she, she stuck with me when I was just ridiculously awful to live with. Um, fast forward to 2000, 
2007, 2008, somewhere around in there. Uh, I had, due to a familial event that I don't get into specifics about, I, uh, I had a traditional classic nervous breakdown. I had a two-month period of time when I did not sleep more than an hour or two a night. And when you don't sleep more than that, very bad things start to happen to you. Uh, that's when my diagnosis got upgraded, if you will, to major depression with psychotic features. Because when you hear children in the yard playing and there's nobody at home but you, that's not a good thing. They put me on this medication called Remeron. And the reason why I remember Remeron was, was it put me to sleep for two weeks. I, it was, those two weeks were just, it was great. I felt so much better, but I also put on 25 pounds. Uh, Remeron was a notorious weight gaining medication. And after the two weeks, I went on another six week run of only one or two hours of sleep. And things were getting darker and uglier all the time. And finally, they put me on this medication called Symbiax, which is an antipsychotic combined with Prozac. And that stopped the free fall. But the side effect from that, the effect from that was uh, I would sleep 10 to 12 hours a night. And the next day, I would have to take one or two two-hour naps. I, I had no quality of life whatsoever. I was just, I was sleeping, you know, four-fifths of my day. And uh, I was, I'm a musician. I'm a guitar player. I write songs. I've been performing for 25 years. I couldn't work. I, I didn't even touch my instrument for a year because for me, music was all about an emotional response etc and just looking at my guitar scared me i didn't want to i didn't want to i didn't want to feel what was obviously i knew was buried if i let it out oh gosh heaven forbid what might happen um but after living that way for almost a whole year i i, I woke up one morning i said i can't keep doing this i just can't this is not sustainable this is not living this is existing and I made at the time what I thought were the proper mental adjustments about how I could deal with what had happened. I couldn't change anything. Um, the, per the family member was no longer a part of our life by their choice. There was nothing I could do about that. So it was just time to take a deep breath and move on. And for a time, I did, I did better with that, but I was by no means well. But I, I, I was complaining to my wife. I put on an enormous amount of weight. I weighed at that time over 250 pounds. I'm only six foot tall. And uh, she said, well, I've heard a lot of great things about this Atkins diet. Why don't you look into that? And being the crazy guy I was, I, I glanced at it. And, oh, no potatoes. And uh, that was the thing that jumped out at me, man. No potatoes, no bread. You can have all the meat you want and you can eat salads. Okay, well, I love meat. That was not a problem. I lost 35 pounds the first month. And my mood improved significantly. But at no time did I or my wife or my doctor 
attribute to my mood improving to the dietary change. And I thought I was better because of the mental adjustments that I had made myself. Uh, I had a really good year. 2009 was a great year because I got to go to my 30-year high school class reunion, had a really good time. I see those pictures now and I kind of cringe because I, I, I was still very, very overweight. Uh, I was in better shape than I was, but ooh, big belly. Um, but after a year of low carb, I was like, you know, I really miss ice cream. I really miss coconut cake, and coconut cream pie. So I'm going to eat this stuff again. And if I gain the weight back, I'll just go on Atkins again. Where's the, what's the problem there? there? You know, this should be fine. Well, one Sunday evening in July of 20, uh, of, of 2010, I'm, I'm a, thankful Catholic convert. I was at mass on a Sunday evening and it was right before communion. We're all on our knees praying and I get experienced this thought and this overwhelming fear response to the thought that if I don't get out of here right now, something really bad's going to happen. And, you know, I, mass was, is, was and continues to be extremely important to me. But I literally ran out of that church. And 15 minutes later, I'm curled up on my couch, bawling like a baby and have no idea why. And this began the worst five years of my life. Uh, my wife's job got transferred to Jacksonville, Florida. We knew nobody. We had no family. I had to go fishing for doctors. Uh, which was not fun. Uh, one doctor put me on a thyroid medicine that just about blew the top of my head off one day. And I wrote an email describing how it felt and, and how unhappy I was. And they fired me. <laughs> I didn't know doctors could fire patients, but, but, but this lady did. I finally found a nurse practitioner who seemed to get me. And this is when the medication merry-go-round really got out of control. I was, I was at any given point in time on three, four, five, six, seven different medications, uh, Seroquel, Abilify, Lamactyl, which is for seizures, but they use it off label to help treat depression or mania. Uh, my diagnosis would get changed. They, none of the medicines they gave me really did anything. It, it would, was a period of time that I'd feel a little bit better or nothing would change. And I would just get worse. I thought for a time that Seroquel might actually be the answer because I was at the same level of crazy for about six months, but I was functional enough. I, I wrote an album, recorded it. Um, I thought I was doing better, but then, then, then the, the bottom just fell out of my mood all over again. Fast forward to January of 2015. I weigh, I weigh 289 pounds. I'm on Ativan for anxiety, which I took as prescribed for eight and a half years. I was on Trazodone to help me sleep at night, which it did do. 
I took it for eight and a half years, but I woke up with a really bad drug hangover every morning. Um, I was having a lot of suicidal ideation, but I knew not to say a word about it because the minute I verbalized it, then, then I would be losing my ability to make my own decisions. Uh, the last psychiatrist I'll ever have not named Georgia Ede or Dr. Chris Palmer told me I should seriously consider electroshock therapy and or a long-term hospitalization. Now, when I worked in the psych field, I saw patients 30 minutes after they'd had electroshock therapy, and I did not want to become an animated corpse for anything. That was, plus it was, it was going to cost $50,000 for one treatment. Uh, so that was out, and I had a sincere fear that if I checked myself into a long-term facility, I might never, ever come out. Um, I had, in the meantime, I'm still writing music. Um, I can't perform. No way I could perform, but I could still write, and I have a recording studio, and I was able to, to cobble some music together and, that I knew I couldn't sing, and I put a Craigslist ad and found this lady very talented vocalist. Um, she and I worked together for eight years. We're unfortunately no longer associating with each other and that's fine. But she comes and we start working on, on, on this music and she's watching me fall apart. And she mentions one day, have you ever thought about medical marijuana? And this was at the time when here in the States, Oregon and Colorado were leasing voters were, were, were legalizing uh, medical marijuana programs. And at this point, my wife and I are, are like, well, what do we have to lose? Because I followed the directions. I went to all my appointments. I took my meds as prescribed. I studied every medication I ever took so that I would understand what side effects to look for, uh, what the titration schedule was, because I didn't want to be a chronic mentally a chronically mentally ill person who would end up ultimately having to make multiple trips to the psych ward to get stable so i i followed everything i was asked to do and i just got worse so my wife secured we secured four grams of flour and my wife discovered a can of butter recipe and made these little cookies um they were keto cookies. They were definitely not carnivore. <laughs> and I was scared to death of these things because I, you know, with cannabis, it was always around as a musician, but I had a bad experience with it when I was young. I didn't know, you know, a little bit will do you a long time. Well, I, I had too much. I got lightheaded. I got sick. I passed out. And I'm like, you know, this stuff's not even legal. Beer's legal. I'll just drink beer if I want to change my mood and, and, Cannabis just wasn't for me. So I was scared to death of these little quarter-sized cookies. And I broke the first one in half. And I'll never forget, 10 minutes after I ate it, it was like a thousand suns had lifted off of me. I wasn't high yet. But I just, for that moment, I didn't feel like crap anymore. And then the high kicked in, and much to my surprise, cannabis treated my symptoms by many orders of magnitude better than any medication I had ever taken. 
my my mood immediately went to a much healthier place. My anxiety almost completely vanished. I could sleep the night through so much more comfortably. Uh, my wife came home that first day and I met her at the door with a big old grin on my face and, and, and high as a kite. And I'm like, it works. And she's like, who are you? <laughs> who is this man? Um, and that became part of my daily routine was I'd have, you know, 420 came along and, and I'd eat a cookie um, and watch YouTube videos. Um, 10 days into this experience, Matthew, I'm, I'm sitting on the edge of the bed, putting my shoes on and my, I, I realized my belly's in the way. I'm like, my belly's in the way. I knew I was a big guy, but I, my belly's in the way. I can't put my shoes on because of my gut. And I went and I looked in the mirror. Now, one thing about my depression, I lost the ability. I got so sick. I lost the ability to accurately perceive my environment. My wife would say, it looks like it's going to be a beautiful day, Matthew. But what I would hear the illness would twist and filter to where what I honestly heard in my head was, yeah, looks like it's going to be another beautiful day. That's just great. And of course, I adore my wife. Honey, what's wrong? She'd look at me like the crazy man I was. I just told you it looks like it's going to be a beautiful day. And I would never hear it. I would never hear exactly the right tone in the right verbiage of what she said. So you can imagine years and years of her saying things and me not able to process it. And I couldn't make her, because she's not crazy, I couldn't make her understand where I was coming from. That's again why I say, you know, she's earned her spot in heaven for putting up with me. So I look in the mirror after my belly's in the way and I see myself accurately for the first time. And I look like somebody made up for an episode of The Walking Dead. My skin is a pasty gray. I, 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 my eyes look like they're, they're, they're sunken about a foot and a half into my head. And, and I look like somebody who's on the verge of a stroke or a heart attack at any moment. And I immediately told my wife that night, they're back on Atkins. Um, I started walking. I had to be very careful. I had to go very slow because I knew if I was at great risk for injury and I knew if I injured myself trying to exercise that, that it might very well kill me. Um, half a block here, walking the dog, half a block there. That led to, okay, I'm walking three blocks. Well, just how far am I walking? And I got a GPS program and eventually figured out how far from my front door was a half a mile. So I could down and back and walk a mile. And I got over the next three years, low carb, not doing low carb correctly, because I didn't know you were supposed to eat the fat. My wife would make these piles of ground beef with mozzarella cheese, but she always drained the fat off of it. <laughs> uh, but over the next three years, I walked off 94 pounds using medical marijuana. At the end of 2015, I was off all the antipsychotics and all the antidepressants. The end of 2016, I was off the Ativan, which was the hardest thing to come off of. I'll never forget the day after I took my last eighth of a milligram, I woke up with vertigo. 
for the first time. I mean, imagine somebody's got you by the shoulders and they're slightly pushing you forward, slightly pulling you backwards, slightly moving you from side to side constantly. Um, that lasted for three months. But by the end of 2017, I was off the trazodone. And I've, with the exception of one run of antibiotics for an upper respiratory infection I had in the fall of 2019, I've not had any pharmaceutical medications whatsoever. I walked off 94 pounds in three years. And May of 2018, I get a message from this same lady named Kimmy Wade. Without Kimmy Wade telling me those things, you and I wouldn't be speaking right now. There would be no thankful carnivore. I would at best be sucking on a, a joint of cannabis, you know, floating about my day, not really doing the things that I, I, I wanted to do. Uh, but she messages me and says, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, you got to go see every video by this guy named Jordan Peterson. You're going to love him. I'm like, OK, I, I'd heard the name, but I didn't know anything about the man. And when you do at that time, when you did a search for Jordan Peterson, you got what I call the Jordan Peterson destroys collection, where he would render these journalists unable to talk with logic and common sense. And I just that became part of my daily routine was eat a cookie at 420 and watch Jordan Peterson videos and laugh my ass off. Uh, Cause he would, he, I, there's the one, one, one interview where he, this woman, she, for 10 seconds on air could not speak because she couldn't, she couldn't argue what he was saying. And he looked at her with this mischievous grin and says, gotcha. I'll never forget that. But I come across this 30 minute cutout from when he was on Joe Rogan. And I get emotional about this when I remember it. Let's just, uh, but I just kind of just pause you there a minute because I just want to say that amazing journey you've been on. And anybody listening to this at the moment, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there can pick out. Hopefully, there's nobody going through the whole thing that you did, but plenty of people will be able to pick out moments in time themselves where they've had bits of depression or where they've not been able to break through something and been offered medication and been offered this and that and the other and perhaps never even been told anything about nutrition at all. I mean, it's so unfortunate that you've had to go on your really, really long journey, um, which has basically looked into absolutely everything apart from nutrition as of yet, which hopefully you're going to tell us about in a moment. But please, anybody listening to this, pick out where you are in Brett's journey and really, really grab the bull by the arms into this next bit, because this is the part where hopefully loads and loads of people out there hopefully you can skip through um, the things that brett's had to go through especially the depression and especially all those other extra little stages this is why i wanted to to bring brett onto onto the podcast because he's gone through basically everything there is to go through especially mentally mentally in, in his mental state and I'm, I'm really looking forward to this next part because this is the power i really want to grab onto and go for it brett let's let's see where it goes um I, this 30-minute cutout of, of Dr. Peterson on Joe Rogan, and he's describing how his daughter, Michaela, figured out if she only ate beef, salt, and water, 
her lifelong arthritis symptoms and her lifelong depression, it just all went away. Now, if this is anybody but Jordan Peterson saying this, I'm changing the channel to watch something else because just eating meat, that's nuts. That's crazy talk. But it's Jordan Peterson, the man who preaches and lives the ideal ideals of tell the truth or at least don't lie. The man's got, in, in my opinion, impeccable integrity. And I remember, I'll never forget, my wife comes home and I said, before you do anything, I need you to watch this with me because I want to make sure I'm hearing exactly what he's saying. And at the end of it, I'm like, now, is he really saying that if I only eat meat and only drink water, this could happen? She said, yeah, that's what he's saying. And so I'm like, geez, why didn't a doctor tell me this? No physician ever suggested anything to me about nutrition. So... I start investigating further, and the next video I found is none other than Dr. Sean Baker on Joe Rogan. And I must have watched the dietary portion of that 50 times. At this point, I'm looking for holes because it's like, this is too good to be true. Why did somebody not mention this to me? But again, you have this man at one time, you know, he had the nuclear launch codes for our nuclear missile silos in, in North, North Dakota. They just don't let anybody do that. You've got to be an extraordinarily well put together human being with great integrity. And then he goes after after his stand, he, he goes into medical school and they send him to Afghanistan to be a trauma surgeon. Again, they just don't send anyone to do that. So again, I have this man with incredible integrity and I can't find any holes in his logic. And then the next video, I mean, I found the three people I needed to find in exactly the right order. And I thank God for that all the time. I found a, a talk that Amber O'Hearn gave in 2017 at Keto Fest, where she described how we as a species literally came down out of the trees because we were eating meat and how we grew these energy demanding brains. And I looked at my wife at the end of that and I said, I've got to try this. I can't not try it. July 16th, 2018, I began eating meat and drinking water. And I have, today is my 1523rd day of eating meat and drinking water. I have not consumed any carbohydrate, not naturally found in meat. And I've had no plant matter of any kind in that time. No cheat days. None. Uh, on the 10th morning of that experience, I woke up without joint pain for the first time as an adult. Now, I had never been diagnosed as arthritics. I had what I called normal aches and pains of living 57 years. And when I was performing live, I, you know, I was the kind of guy who would climb up on a table to play a guitar solo. And sometimes the tables didn't cooperate. <laughs> and uh you know you, your natural instinct then is a to keep on playing protect your instrument and if you walk around like a question mark for a couple of days until you can stand up straight again hey that's rock and roll uh you know i i was ambulatory but i had i had things that hurt 
and I woke up without any joint pain at all. I, my morning walk, I, I, I'm skipping along the sidewalk, giggling like a little boy because, A, I can skip and it doesn't hurt. Um, then on the 24th day, I'm taking my walk. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling really good, but I'm still, I'm, I'm so, I didn't want to placebo myself into thinking I was better before I was. That was a real concern. And then Matthew, it's like somebody just flipped the switch. And all that rage and all that darkness and all that shadowy shit that kept me from be being the person I always wanted to be, it all just went away. It vanished from my life and it has never, ever returned. And it was replaced with a waterfall of joy that has never left me. Not for one minute, even the year my dad died, I helped my mom, you know, my sister and I took care of him in home hospice until he passed. That was sad that my dad passed away, but he was no longer suffering and we were no longer suffering watching him suffer. It was a good day. And that's why I do these talks. It's not because going down memory lane is a good time for me because it's not. But people need to know you're not broken. You're not a genetic error. Mom and dad didn't make a mistake. You, like me, were taught to eat things we should never, ever have put into our mouth. And there's an answer. You don't have to take meds for the, that don't really fix anything, as we now know from recent studies. Uh, you don't have to to be a victim anymore. You don't have to hide yourself away because you're ashamed of your appearance and you're ashamed of your illness. You can heal it. You can eliminate it. I have been symptom free now for over four years. That's amazing. People need to know there's a way to heal your body from just about everything. You just got to be willing to give it a try. And then once you start, you need to stick with it. Yeah, yeah, you're so, you're so right. I think there's still a little bit of a stigma about that says that nutrition cannot do anything for you. I think people think of nutrition as kind of a last resort sort of thing, whereas we need to bring it more to the fore. And we need to say, look, just try out your nutrition. Make sure you can go down an avenue with it. Talk to people who like yourself who have been through these things, who have experienced what you've experienced. And then hopefully we can help people realize that it's never nutrition's never going to be the be all and end all of medication, but wow, it can do so much. It can really, really can, especially like, like you're saying with, with your mental health, it really can help your mental health. If you have problems in that area, I mean, people see it as um, a diet or they see it as maybe I can lose a little bit of weight, but if you can really nail down a species appropriate nutrition, which is what we're talking about, we are a species that has evolved on meat. So why not have this meat in our nutrition? There are big agendas about with these vegans and plant-based diets, but we need meat. We have evolved on meat. 
this is what you've found out, although perhaps you wish you found it out a lot earlier than what you did. Yes. <laughs> but it's great. It's great that you can now say, tell your journey to people and people can relate to where they are in that journey. And hopefully they can learn a lot from you. But now that you are where you are, uh, you are, like you say, you are 100% just about carnivore and you live that lifestyle now. And, and thankfully, You've not had any reoccurrence uh, for, for your, your mental um, health and anything like that. But now, can you now teach people? Can you now coach people? Can you now help everybody else in the world by by spreading the message? I I I, I I'm going to answer your question first with a story. I I was when I when I first started this, the only place I ever talked about it was on Facebook. And it was interesting. Most of the my peers that I grew up with and whatnot, they're like, well, this is the craziest thing you've ever done. I mean, you've done some crazy shit before, Brett, but this takes the cake, literally. And but I got a message from a lady that uh, was a few years older than me, but we'd gone to the same schools, et cetera. And she had been diagnosed with primary progressive multiple sclerosis. She'd been told she was going to spend most of the rest of her life in a wheelchair and it would never, ever, ever go into remission. And I, you know, I'm a musician. I knew nothing about nutrition. I'm a guitar player. What do I, what do I know about physiology and, and mechanisms and all this kind of stuff? I just told her, I said, this is what I've been doing. And, and, I don't, it can't hurt you. Uh, gave her the directions that, the directions that I learned about how to do this from came from the Zeroing In on Health Group, uh, which includes a lot of, you know, it's run by 10 year plus carnivores. Kelly Hogan being the most famous one, I suppose. Dr. Lisa Wiedemann, Charles Washington. Um, and the four basic directions are only eat when you're hungry. When you're hungry, only eat meat till you're not another bite full. Only eat the meat you crave that satisfies you that you can afford. And under no circumstance do you ever put a sweet taste in your mouth. I'm like, wow, that's simple. I get that. And I shared these directions with this lady and, and she messaged me six weeks later saying she fired her neurologist because she was now completely symptom free eating meat and drinking water from primary progressive multiple sclerosis that is never, ever supposed to go into remission. And I knew right then I had to talk about this. And then in December of, um, let me get my years right, 2018, I went on the carnivore cast which, and did my first interview. And I thought, I thought, well, maybe 20 people heard it. 10 will like it, 10 will hate it. Hey, I did my part. But I, I started getting this outpouring of, of messages from people, you know. Thank you so much for sharing your story. You have no idea the impact you had on me. I'm like, okay. I'm like, all right, God, I get it. I, I have to, I have to be an advocate for this. And ever since then, I, I've, I've done my best to share my journey on my Instagram. People see every meal I have every day. I, I do one or two talks a day about whatever issue I might 
you know, based on the questions I'm getting in private and whatnot, whatever issue might be coming up, it, it goes in cycles um, to help people. And then, you know, then I don't, I don't particularly like social media. I really, and I've thought about giving it up on numerous times, but every time I do that, I get these messages from people that tell me I can't stop. The most poignant being a couple of years ago, I got voice messages from a young 22, 23 year old male who thanked me for doing the carnivore cast. He said, Brett, because I listened to you, I no longer want to kill myself. How do you turn your back on that? So, you know, I'm an advocate. I, I have two vocations. One is music and the other is, is advocating for this way of eating. And there's not a hair's width worth of difference between which one's the most important to me. Um, I am a coach it, with uh, Rivero Health, used to be Meet RX. Um, I also facilitate two mental health meetings for the platform every week. And uh, it's, it's, it's one of the greatest blessings I've ever had in my life to be able to help people, to see them come in. And as you might imagine, because of my story, most of the people who come to me are people who've suffered from depression or anxiety, mental illness in general. And to see these people come in looking as bad or worse than I did and, and at the start of the session, they barely have energy to answer your question. But by the end of it, they've, they've tasted enough hope to where you see the light come on in their eyes. And you see them over a period of time. They don't get better. They get well. It's something I, I, I preach constantly. This is not about getting better. This is about getting well. This is about eliminating, kicking your symptoms to the curb to where they never come back because I'm confident as long as I continue to eat this way, as long as I don't deviate from what works, I'm never going to experience any form of mental illness whatsoever. I haven't had any issues with anxiety except when it's appropriate, you know, loved ones in the hospital. That's an appropriate time to feel a little anxious, anxiousness, but it doesn't dominate my life. Oh, uh, you know, life is so much easier to navigate now. You know, there's still the crap that life throws at you, but it's easier to duck and dodge. And if you do get hit with it, you know how to wash it off and you just carry on. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I'm very thankful that I get to teach people. And every day on Instagram, I, it's like an endless clinic spreading the word about the carnivore way of eating. And, and dealing with the naysayers, I get I don't get attacked much by vegans anymore because I just show them my lab work and they slink away with their tail between their legs. But I get attacked very often by dietitians who are mortally offended. And I think they sense that uh, the revenue stream that keeps them afloat is, is at risk because I... The further away I get from what dietitians say I should be doing, the further away I get from what traditional medicine says I should be doing, the healthier I become and the greater my quality of life becomes. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Thank you very much for that. And thank you for doing what you do. For the very first time I heard you 
I don't know if it was on the Carnival cast or, or on a different podcast, but I heard you and I just thought, yes, I have to help this guy spread the message because I have come across myself, people with mental issues and people with just the ability not to be able to break out of the life they're in. And as soon as you start to suggest nutrition to them, it's like something that's very, very foreign and they don't do it. So maybe you can um, help me understand how you break down those first barriers, because I've worked with some people and tried to um, help them across to the uh, look at their nutrition and try and ditch their medications and try and steer them into a path. But it's very, very hard to make those first steps. I mean, you mentioned in your, your story that you, kept dabbling in and out of keto with, with the, the Atkins diet and, and and perhaps that started you on a little bit of a roller coaster where you went up and down with that. But how do you make that first step into breaking out of what is a traditional diet and then perhaps into a keto way of nutrition and then perhaps even taking it further like you have into carnival? What first steps can people take to start off their own journey? Well, there's several things there to, uh, to talk about. First off, in my coaching and whatnot, I never speak outside of my experience. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a PhD at anything. I, I'm a guitar player. And if I start quoting studies and science, I sound like a guitar player talking about things he does not understand. <laughs> So as long as I keep it within the realm of my experience, people are more open to that. I also start off every one of my coaching sessions by asking, are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? And if the answer is yes, then I know that this person is willing to, to, to drop the old way of thinking, the old programming and give this a try. If the answer is no, I'm not sick and tired of being sick and tired, then I suggest to them, well, maybe keto is what you need because this requires commitment. It requires a level of self-honesty that a lot of people are very uncomfortable with. And, and, you know, let's face it, we were all indoctrinated. We were all indoctrinated that plants are good for you. If you don't have your fruits and vegetables, you're going to get scurvy. And, and, you know, I, I, that one always cracks me up because uh, I how can how do you deal with the constipation, Brett? I've had exactly zero moments of constipation in fifteen hundred and twenty three days of living this way. That's how I deal with it. I don't have it. I haven't had a headache since July of twenty eighteen. Not one headache. After decades of always having to keep a bottle of Tylenol or Motrin because my head hurt all the damn time because my brain was inflamed. When people are sick and tired of being sick and tired and they're hopeless and, and, and they come to me, I'm, I'm like the last stop. So they're more willing to listen. And, and, and I, I find that if you explain the directions and how you apply those same directions every day, because I still follow the same directions. I only eat what I crave. When I eat, I eat until I'm not another bite full. Those, those are critical because if you don't do that, you're, go, you're gonna fail. Um, how can people start? Well, the first thing I always recommend to folks who come to me straight, who are still on the standard American diet, I'm like, 
well, we're going to have to take a month for you to step into this. You're going to need to re reduce your carb and plant intake by 25% each week, replacing that with meat that you crave, that satisfies you, that you can afford. Because listen, if I could afford it, I'd be eating filet mignon with my bacon. But I can't afford filet mignon, so I'm eating lean ground beef. And understand, this is not a quick fix. A lot of people make the mistake and, oh, Brad, you lost your depression after 24 days. I said, yeah, but I was very low carb for two years before I did that. My experience is very atypical in that regard. It takes most people months, sometimes a couple of years before they're completely symptom free. And you have to be willing to commit to that because at the end, you deserve to experience what I call effortless daily happiness, just like I do. And I'm not special. I don't have some inner well of willpower. Geez, if I did that, I would have kicked depression to the curb by myself 40 years ago. <laughs> uh, but if you follow the directions, you're going to heal on your body's timetable. There are no shortcuts. There's, there's no, no way to make it happen faster. If there was, we would teach it because why would we want you to suffer one moment longer than necessary? And people, if they do the step down, then I know they're going to succeed because that's a really hard thing for people to change their programming in just a month. And once they're eating only meat and, and, and drinking only water, they're not consuming any other calories except the meat that they eat, then I can gauge how well they're doing. Um, maybe in, in a couple of weeks into their eating only meat, we, we might need to make an adjustment. Maybe they need to add a little more fat. Maybe they need a little less fat and more protein. The most common mistake new folks make is they don't eat enough. Uh, I just had a plate full of meat, Brad. It was full. It was stacked. And I was still hungry after. I said, well, then you, you need to eat another plate of meat. <laughs> but that's piggish. That's an eating disorder. No, it's not. When your body's craving nutrition, you feel it. You feel it. And I explain what being satiated is like for me. You know, I'm eating ground beef and I pop a piece of bacon in. Oh, my gosh, it's a delicious party. I swallow the ground beef first, and that brings me to satiety. At that point, I cannot physically make myself swallow the bacon. And, you know, that's what it feels like for me. For you, Matthew, it's going to feel like something completely different because we're different people. Uh, the other mistake people make in the beginning is they want to eat what, whatever uh, advocate, coach eats. I'm like, you know, I've had people, I, I eat steaks all the time. I saw Dr. Baker and that's all he does. And you're not Dr. Baker. Your physiology is unique. Your, your nutritional requirements are specific to you. You know, I, I never tell anyone, you know, go eat lean ground beef and bacon because that's what works for me because that's not realistic. These are the things that I, I, I work with people on. And, and then once they're eating right, then the focus is on mindset. Because if you don't change your mindset, if you don't change your relationship with food, all you're going to do is walk a big, long circle. And you might become symptom-free for a period of time. 
But because you didn't change your mindset, you're going to end up right back in the same pit you worked so hard to crawl out of. Yeah, that's that's brilliant. That's that's the reason why I call my, my company Human Nutrition and Lifestyle because you've got to make it part of your lifestyle. You've got to make it part of your mindset. Like you say, it's all about changing those habits. And by doing that, you incorporating it into your lifestyle. It's not just about nutrition. It is about building your whole lifestyle with it. And like you mentioned, one person's lifestyle is going to be totally different to another person's lifestyle. As long as you've got those those base level that you're working from, like you say, with the carnivore, the base level of the meat, making sure that you're satiated the whole time. It doesn't matter what times of day you're eating. It doesn't matter how much you're eating. Just listen to your body. Make sure that you are satiated, you are full, you are getting the full benefit of, of whatever nutrition you, you are taking in. That's great, great to hear. I also just like to say as well that you mentioned in there about people giving up um, a little bit of their time, a month, a couple of months, whatever it is. And we do run reset programs like that. But you often will get people to say saying that, uh, well, I can't spare a month. And you, you have to kind of think about it in the way of, well, listen, you've had 30 or 40 or 50 years doing what you've been doing to your body, living a processed food, perhaps diet, or living a lot on plants and mixture of animals and, and, and copying the pyramids and copying the way everybody's telling you to eat. So, hey, let's just have a month. Let's have a time off that and bring it back down to base level. And I'm, I'm pleased you mentioned that because that is what I try to do in my company as well, is bring people back down to, to what I term a base level. And whatever that base level may be for them, like you say, it's going to be different for everybody. And then work back up from there. If you can just get, like you mentioned, that mindset, let's take it back to basics and start again. So that's brilliant. Well, thank you. I, it, it, I, I try to focus, you know, let's stop. I always bring this up in every session. Think about your ancestors 100,000 years ago. Were they measuring how much salt they ate in a day? No. Were they measuring their fat to protein ratio? Absolutely. With what? With what <laughs> would they measure that? How, where, where did the knowledge come from that that was even a thing? You know, they ate until there was till they were full, till they were satisfied, and then they they might blaze around, or they might go looking for the next hunt. Uh, and and even with the horrible hygiene compared to today's standards, if you stayed injury free, survived childhood illnesses, you could live to be 60, 70, 80, 90 years old. And our brains were actually three hundred cc's larger before agriculture than they are today after agriculture. Uh, people like to complicate. And I'm like, you know, you got to keep it simple. This is not rocket science. There's what works and then there's everything else. And, and when people accept that and start incorporating these, these notions into their life, it really makes a difference. And you can watch them go from people who are struggling at this way of eating to people who are just thriving. That's it. That's the, that's the word thriving. I love it. Thriving. That's what I always try and say is there's plenty of people out there. Like you, like you said earlier, just going through life, just surviving, perhaps just going through every single day, but Hey, let's thrive. You know, life's here for living. So let's go through and let's thrive and let's live it. I mean, 
I've absolutely loved having you on the podcast, Brett. It's been amazing. And you're doing such great work. I mean, I've talked to um, scientists and like you've mentioned, PhDs and all sorts of different kinds of people, which can get confusing. But when I have somebody like you, uh, just to break it down and just to tell us a story like that, I know you're relating to so many people and you're doing an absolutely amazing job. And I'm so pleased I found you. And I'm sure lots of people are so pleased you've come on this podcast and can, can tell your story and, and I hope you continue to do that as I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time and I, I absolutely throw my hat out to you and say thank you very much for coming and sharing your story because I can see you as getting emotional through that and, and it was a brilliant story to tell thank you very much for that Brett. Well Matthew thank you very much for this opportunity to share my experience um I I'm I'm always blessed. I've been given a great gift and I try to do my best to share it and, and, and make people understand this is a gift. You don't get an infinite number of tries to succeed at this. Um, so treat it like, you know, where sanity is concerned. My sanity is my most prized earthly possession. And I won't risk it for anything. There's no taste, no texture, no social setting, no amount of money that you could put in front of me to get me to put sugar into my mouth. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, thank you. That, thank you so much for, for, for the invite and, and keep doing the good work that you're doing. And uh, if ever I can be of assistance in the future, don't hesitate to call on me. Brilliant. Thank you, Brett. Let's tell everybody um, what's your handle on Instagram and, and can they follow you uh, on the social medias? Where, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram at thankful.carnivore. It's important to put that dot in between thankful and carnivore. Otherwise, you won't find me. Uh, you can find me on Facebook uh, under Brett Lloyd. Um, I answer all private messages. If you have questions or concerns, um, message me in private i don't leave anybody hanging uh be happy to talk to you and try to help you out as best i can and uh that's the same whether on facebook or on instagram um but i primarily spend most of my time on instagram brilliant brett thank you very much for that and be prepared to get some new followers <laughs> i look forward to it i look forward to it I, I you'll never hear me complain about helping too many people brilliant thank you very much Thank you, Matthew.